0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Not only was I planning a Thanksgiving meal today, or at least my part of a Thanksgiving meal, as well as a Friendsgiving celebration with my college roommate. Excited to take a mini road trip to Maine coming up this weekend. But we're through week 10 in the NFL. Just say it out loud. That's all I'm asking. If you're in a place where you really can't make any audible noise, then whisper it, mouth it to yourself, as though you're on TV and people are trying to read your lips. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, really everybody. It's uh, these days cameras are so intrusive. We're always trying to read everyone's lips, <laughs> and sometimes athletes make it easy for us. But yeah, Thanksgiving planning, Thanksgiving shopping. Week 10 of the NFL season, we're getting closer and closer to conference championships in college football, and we are days away from the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, Qatar, however it is that you would like to say it. I know how we've been instructed. I know that there's a great debate going on. I've even heard that... For those Americans and journalists who are actually in country for the World Cup, there's a debate about how to say the name of the country. So say it however you like, as long as we're not offending anyone, which I suppose in our culture, people get offended by lesser things. So get offended if you like. We're going to talk World Cup on this show. Why? Because we've got our first guest in country. So excited. We looked this up last week because we needed the information. Qatar is eight hours ahead of our Eastern time zone and 11 hours ahead of the Pacific time zone, which means that the games... Uh, well, I should just say the game. The first game that the United States has on its schedule comes up Monday. It's a 10 o'clock start time in Qatar. Two in the afternoon in the Eastern time zone and then 11 a.m. on the West Coast, which is interesting. Now, the United States has nothing to do with when Team USA plays, but I hope there are some matches in primetime. Our prime time, though that's going to be more challenging, right? Because this is a late match. It starts at ten o'clock local time. It's not as though they can play much later. They're not going to play at midnight or three o'clock in the morning. Which means, for the most part, you're dealing with a situation similar to, say, the Open Championship, or not as much the not as much Wimbledon. It's not a huge time difference. But the Olympics, to be sure, when we've had Olympics in the Far East, China, Japan, Korea, well, then it's a completely different ballgame, and a lot of times you may know the results before you ever see it on TV. So I think that's always a challenge of having international events. But we talked about it last week. Those of you who took our poll on Twitter and Facebook indicated that there, I would say half of you, indicated that there wasn't much interest. I'm hoping that the Americans change your mind. It's the only time in sports that I ever say we, because we are in fact Americans, and I hope that we, as a country, are rooting for our U.S. men's national team, or our U.S. women's national team, who will also play in an upcoming World Cup. So we're going to do that. We're going to get our first guest from country, which I'm really excited about. Uh, It's always neat to have international interviews, uh, whether it be England or France or where we've had... Uh, various Olympics in the past. I think it's kind of cool that it fits our time slot pretty well. Uh, And also, it's just neat to be able to speak to insiders and reporters and sometimes athletes. Uh, Before the most recent Winter Olympics, we spoke to a skier, Julia Kern, and she hadn't made the trip all the way to the Far East, but she was in Italy when we spoke to her. That was damn cool. We had her on a Zoom call, and it was so neat to be able to see her in Italy while we're talking to her. So we'll launch forward into our World Cup coverage. Uh, Team USA does not play its first match until Monday. And so we'll wait until Monday then to get uh, guests to talk about how the USA opened up after eight years. It's been eight years. So this is a reintegration for the United States on the grandest stage in the sports world. And I do mean globally, the sports world. Now here in the United States, football. The other football drives the bus. And we are now through week 10. Sub, like I said, hard for me to even really process. We're inside of 90 days to the Super Bowl. I know this because our friend Russell Baxter keeps a running total. Every morning, he does a countdown with various numbers that coincide with the number of days until the Super Bowl. And so we are now inside of 90 days until the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. We're already making our preparations to be there for Radio Row. It'll be the first time since Miami. So the countdown continues. The march through the season continues. I was listening to Tom Brady's Let's Go podcast on Monday. And I, it caught my ear. I was fascinated by the number of times he said everything uh, that we want is still in front of us. This, the whole season is still in front of us. He said that multiple times. And I'm thinking, what? We're already into the second half, but he was referring to the fact that they're in first place and they've got plenty of time to be able to make up ground uh, if they're playing better football moving forward. And he did say, uh, just a spoiler alert, he did say that they're playing their best football of the year now, which is fairly obvious, so good stuff, though. Uh, I actually listened to it while I was riding the bike, and I told Producer Jay that I would cut the audio from the Tom Brady interview since I already listened to it. Uh, We'll see if I can get to it while I'm doing some other editing. But it's, I think it's interesting, like I said, that even though we're marching through now 10 weeks, which is two and a half months of the NFL season, that nothing has been decided. And we no longer have any perfect teams. And then there were none. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Please find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Already tweeted about the upcoming interview. Did some, some, some tweeting during Commanders and Eagles because there were definitely some jaw-dropping moments and some twists and turns. Uh, Also shared our podcast with you, as we always do on both Twitter and Facebook, because if you want to know my thoughts, my reaction, want to hear the biggest moments from week 10 Sunday, it's our pitch to you that we cover every single game at least once. We hit every single game at least once, and we did it. So a lot of times we're using every last minute of the show. <laughs> and finally, if you haven't yet voted on this Monday for the team that should be the most mortified and the most miserable and the most morbid, just all fits so well uh, in the in the Ms and the alliteration. Well, that vote is still live. The Twitter poll is still live, and of course on Facebook you can vote whenever. So uh, we'll retweet it from our show account so that you can. See the poll. It's also pinned to the top of our show account after our CBS and then on our Facebook page as well. Uh, Right now it's actually a pretty lively race between two of the contenders, uh, though there are others and you can always write in. I don't think we can brand the Eagles with that uh, being mortified or miserable. After all, 8-0 is 8-0. They ran the table in the first half of the season and It was the first time in franchise history that they ever had gotten to 8-0. So best start ever to a season. But all good things must come to an end. And so I'm not surprised at all that we end up seeing them lose. And I'm also not surprised. You can say that this was an upset, and I suppose by Vegas odds or betting odds, it is an upset. But it seems pretty reasonable to me that the Eagles – are going to get the absolute best shot twice a year of each of the teams in their division. And so I am not at all surprised or stunned or shocked that their first loss comes against a team in their division, which wants nothing better than to knock them off their perch, number one, Eagles perch. I didn't even do that on purpose. Number two, <laughs> Jay, why are you nodding? I did not do it on purpose.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I liked it. Nice. All right. Sweet. Boom.
1: My mother is taken to sending me boom text messages now. When she gets something done and she tells me she had an accomplished day or she achieved a lot, she then puts at the end of the text, Boom! With a little the bomb emoji. Oh,
2: of course you have to.
1: Oh my gosh, mom, what are you doing?
2: I think I gave you a hashtag boom earlier today. You did. I did right? I,
1: I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. I my personal life, my <laughs> professional life do not need to intersect.
2: <laughs> you told me about your mom, and I think it rubbed off on me. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll send it.
1: Yeah, she's clearly been listening to the show, which is great, but also odd that my mother is sending me text messages that say boom on them.
2: It's your it's your uh, catchphrase. Oh
1: great! Yeah, well. It's my catchphrase here. I guess I say it in my personal life now and then yeah. uh, just for fun. But generally I do it because it makes people laugh if they listen to the show. When someone calls or when we're talking about something cool here on the show, I'll drop a boom. I don't know that I do a whole lot of that in my personal life. Could you imagine? Well... Maybe I would with my fourth and fifth graders at church that actually I could see happening hit
2: them with a few booms.
1: I definitely. that seems like it would be catchy among ten and eleven year olds.
2: Yeah, I think they'd like that.
1: <laughs> so knocking the Eagles from their perch back to that very clever line of mine, very very clever and witty uh, and completely unintentional. Uh, I'm not surprised that it's the Washington commanders that are able to hand them their first loss because a, It's a rivalry. B, there's no intimidation factor in Philadelphia. C, every team in that division has designs on making the playoffs, even the Commanders. And they came off a loss last week against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, in which they had the lead late and Minnesota rallied, because that's all Minnesota does. They don't blow teams out, except for the Packers. They just rally. And so if not for that loss last week, the Commanders could be sitting on a five-game win streak right now. They also have designs on making the playoffs. They may be in the basement of the NFC East, but that means a whole lot of nothing when there's three wild cards out there and the NFC is, well, it's horror awful at times. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Initially, though, what were we, a minute and 45 seconds into the game? When we had our first turnover, it was a turnover fest in Philadelphia. And you cannot blame the weather for this one. Certainly seemed like, with the short field, the Eagles were off to the races. Look at the formation here. Wouldn't be surprised if it's quarterback sneak. It's a wishbone. And the quarterback hurts. is under center.
3: Gets the snap. Drives. Touchdown. And the quarterback sneak, as Ross predicted, right over the center. Wow. They cash in on the fumble. By the quarterback Heineken, a big hit by Sweat coming off the edge in the blind side, A one-yard touchdown run by Jalen Hurts, and 12-21 to go in the
1: first, and a 6-0 lead for the Eagles. I suppose if you're the Commanders, you might as well get it out of your system early. <laughs> and so they have a fumble within minutes of the game starting, and it's a short field, and Jalen Hurts, a one-yard touchdown run. Uh, I love that call. First of all, Ross Tucker, who is doing his his best prognosticator impression, uh, he's a guy who works with the Eagles broadcast during the preseason, is in the Philadelphia area, knows the Eagles well. So with Kurt Warner being in Germany – this was Ross Tucker along with Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. But you can also hear Jalen Hurts go, ah, in the background, <laughs> which is fun. A mic picked it up if you, I don't know if you could isolate it, Jay, like play that part back. But it was kind of cool to be able to uh, hear him in the background as excited as he was. He was flexing. Wow. They cash in on the fumble by the <laughs> You can hear it, can't you? You can hear him on the mic that's down there on the field. Uh, So, yes, that was quite the heady start for Philadelphia. But Washington had a very specific game plan. Jay sent me a text. It was probably in the fourth quarter. They won't give – they can't get the ball back. That's what he said about Philadelphia. They can't get the ball back. And that was absolutely the case. Not their first drive, of course, because it ended with a turnover. But their second drive. And then moving forward, every time they had the football, they were determined to keep it away from the Eagles as much as possible. And it makes perfect sense. How can Jalen Hurts be rendered ineffective if he's standing on the sidelines in a coat? That's how you keep a team with a solid quarterback and a really good offense from hurting you. He can't do anything. If he's standing there, not to mention, it seemed like when the Eagles got back on the field, after sitting around for long stretches of time, they were out of rhythm. They were out of sync. And it has the added bonus of wearing out the opposing defense, right? So we're seeing it more and more around the NFL, and I talk about it every week. You may think I sound like um, a broken record, but I feel like it's a, a major theme through the first 10 weeks of the NFL season. Ball control is paramount. There are teams that don't have great offenses. In fact, we've heard from multiple, not just quarterbacks, but athletes in the league as well as coaches and analysts, there's been some really brutal football this year, meaning the offense. So if you're a team that doesn't have a great offense, but you can control the ball with a run game, with an offensive line, with a game manager or quarterback then why not do it? That's how you level the playing field. And so ball control is paramount. Second time the commanders have the ball, it's 13 plays. It's 75 yards. It's 7 minutes and 21 seconds.
3: Running back Gibson, shotgun formation, Philadelphia 1. There's the snap, the handoff, and it's Gibson diving over the right guard. Touchdown, Washington. A terrific clock, and he dives. Trey Turner led the way.
1: A one-yard touchdown plunge by Gibson. Once again, Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1. That was their first long drive. Right before they get to half, do you know what they do? They keep the ball away from Jalen Hurts for seven minutes. A 16-play, 88-yard march. Here
3: comes Samuel
1: in motion. Shotgun snap. Hand off Robinson. Spins,
3: digs, leans, lunges. Touchdown! The Commanders have gotten it in. Robinson would not be denied. A one-yard touchdown turning spinning run. And Washington has taken a lead
1: late in the first half over the undefeated Eagles. Think about that. The Commanders on those two drives alone had the ball 14 and a half minutes. That's half of the time in the first and second quarters. On two drives. And there were other possessions as well. That's the strategy. Control the ball. Control the game. And the commanders executed that strategy to near perfection in the first half. And I think it was fairly obvious that as they were doing that, the Eagles' offense was getting cold, lost their rhythm, lost any momentum. Had to stand around and watch. Which sucks if you're the Eagles and you're home and then the fans are, you hope, still cheering for your defense. But that kind of game is, is not a lot of fun to watch. The stat was thrown out there at halftime. Let's see if I can remember. The Commanders had the football 20 minutes of the 30 minutes in the first half. So it, a, essentially two-thirds of the time. Overall, their time of possession, greater than 40 minutes. So again, they held the ball. Two minutes to every one minute that the Eagles had it. 40 out of 60 minutes? That's astounding. It doesn't matter if you have a losing record in the NFL. If you can control the ball, you can control the game. All right, so we'll get to the second half, excuse me, and the reaction. But no longer do we have an undefeated team. 50 years after the Miami Dolphins went, what did they go? 13-0, and 14-0? <laughs> I forgot now. They didn't lose. That was the point. 50 years after and just a few months after they were honored in Miami for that accomplishment, I wonder if those who still remain here on the earth are cracking open a special drink. Maybe they save it for this occasion every year. 14 no. 50 years and we haven't seen it happen again. It's one of the reasons why the NFL is so freaking popular. All right, find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. Vote for the most mortified fan base and team on Monday. Did you know there is, in fact, crying in football? Uh, you can do it on either Twitter or Facebook. We're glad to have you with us. Surviving a Manic Monday, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
4: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend
3: today. Five wide, first and ten, hurts in the gun, 11 of Washington, shotgun snap, rears back, Line drive. Puck at the five, breaking and tackle, far side, Lane Smith, runs and spins, score, touchdown! Broke the tackle, spun around and takes it in for six, and the Eagles are back in business. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
1: The Eagles decided to employ a little of that ball control strategy, and so they start their second drive of the second half about midway through that third quarter. This is the crazy part, right? They didn't get the ball for a second opportunity in the third quarter until the quarter was nearly over. Why? Because the commanders used 14 plays to go 66 yards and take eight and a half minutes off the clock. Eight and a half minutes for a field goal? It's insane. But again, it worked to perfection. Kevin Harlan on Westwood won. That touchdown by Devontae Smith, who is one of my favorites in the NFL. I'm going to start the Devontae Smith fan club, except that's. That sounds like I'm playing favorites, which, of course, I'm not. I just think he's great. Loved him at Alabama, too. So the touchdown that they score takes them into the fourth quarter. But it brings them within two points. So the score is 23-21 after the Devontae Smith touchdown. And then things got a little bit sideways, a little bit wonky. Like, we like to get wonky here on the show. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio, (laughs) <laughs> the interception that was thrown by Taylor Heineke on a deep shot, right? So it, it's kind of served as a punt. However, maybe they would have gone for it on fourth down if they had gotten closer. They're big into the ball control. But at this point, he throws a deep shot on third and three, gets intercepted, so serves more as a punt. The Eagles have the football. Again, trailing by two. They're moving downfield. Jalen Hurts... Finds Dallas Goddard, passes it to uh, passes it out, gets it out cleanly. Goddard has it, but gets the big paw of, I don't even know who it was. I was so busy looking at how his head got jerked around by a hand that was not just grazing his face mask, but ripping his face mask to the right. So Goddard fumbles the ball. I'm pretty sure pretty much everybody on the field would have fumbled the ball while their face mask was being... Ripped to the right. I hope he doesn't have whiplash. Initially, the ball was picked up by Jamin Davis and was run back for a touchdown. It turns out that was overturned on replay. Not only did they miss the face mask call so that it was in fact a fumble, but Goddard was injured. He later returned, so that was good news. So you go from interception to an Eagles fumble, which then leads to another commander's field goal. And when the Eagles get the ball back, they have an opportunity, still only trailing by five points.
3: Clock is approaching six to play in the fourth. Eagles are down 26-21, first and 20 with the penalty. They're back at their 27, shotgun snap. Hurts drops back, sets, winds up long pass down the near side, caught on the Back in gets back up, hit again, fumbled the ball, it's rolling, and the Washington Commanders pick it up with Forrest, who then kicks it to the
1: far sideline, and runs out of bounds. The Eagles have fumbled the ball on a long catch. They had way too many turnovers in this game. Three turnovers, as a matter of fact, and that one was essentially the last straw. Because they were driving, they were moving the football. Quez had it. And not only that was tacking on yards after the catch. But when he has the ball poked free and loses it. Well, that go essentially, they did have the ball again. But it felt to me as though they'd lost all their rhythm and were completely out of sync. So that was midway through the fourth quarter. Then we have back-to-back three and outs. Then the commanders have an opportunity to run the football, or run the clock out, excuse me, with the football. They want to run it out. They're trying to take as much time off the clock as possible, which leads to this odd play, and yet another mistake and miscue by the Eagles. Shotgun snap, a left tackle block, a crumbling pocket. He's running to
3: the numbers. Now he goes to a knee and goes down to the thirty-eight. And he goes down, he was hit, and there's a flag, and that may be on Philadelphia for a hit on a quarterback who is down. That's what the flag is thrown, is Heineke was scrambling and running, then finally hit the deck but went to a knee, meaning he was down, and a flag was thrown and a hit after the whistle had sounded.
5: We kind of called a slant for Terry, and it was one of those things, like, if he's open, give it to him. If not, take a sack. And I was not going to throw it unless he was wide open. Um, you know, just the... the, the poor of the game. I didn't want anything crazy to happen. So um, when I took that knee and I saw them kind of still coming at me, I was hoping they would hit me, and sure enough, they did. So uh, it was a mistake on their end, but hey, um, you know we'll live with it.
1: He
4: took a knee, then took a second knee and got hit. I wish I could have that call back, but at the end
3: of the day, we wish we could have a bunch of calls back. But you know what? Uh, They won. It was, uh, you know, for me, I just want to make up for it by what I do next week, how I respond. So uh, I'm going to take that one on the chin. Um, Of course, we are going to uh, just flush it and, and move on. But uh, I'm definitely gonna take that one. And make sure, you know, next time, you know, I don't let the team down in, in a situation like
2: that. That's not at all what lost us the football game. Yeah, shoot. I mean, that's pretty pretty simple, right? The three turnovers lost us the game. The time of possession loses you the game. Um, it was we lost it together. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. We lost it together. That's what lost us the game.
1: It is crazy to me, and by crazy, I mean ridiculous and ludicrous and asinine, that people would actually point to that play as the reason why the Eagles lost the game. Was it a smart play by Brandon Graham? No. I mean, Taylor Heineke was giving himself up. All you need to do is run over and put a hand on him, and the man's down, and that's it. So he did hit him, even though a quarterback's giving himself up, and that is a no-no. You don't have to like the call. That's just how the rule book goes. So Brandon Graham just kind of lost his head. Maybe the frustration of the game, I'm not sure. So it was dumb. I'm glad Heineke didn't get hurt. That wasn't what the call was about. It was about not hitting a quarterback who's already given himself up. And it happened with a minute 45 to go in the fourth quarter when they're at midfield. So sure, if you don't draw that flag, well then, maybe you get the ball back and have a little more time. That was clearly the point with Taylor Heineke. They were trying to go down so that he they could take more time off the clock, blah, blah, blah. They didn't want to turn the ball over again. But Nick Sirianni says that's not what lost us the game, and I'm so grateful that he did because the three turnovers, I think the Quez Watkins probably the most damning, but not the only one. And then their inability to get the ball back from the Philadelphia Eagles. If you want to have the ball back and give it back to your quarterback and your offense, well, then you got to stop them. Seven-minute drive here, seven-minute drive there, eight-minute drive for a field goal. Nick Sirianni references time of possession. You know, I'm a big time of possession girl. I'm always looking at that stat. Get this, 40 minutes and 24 seconds. The Commanders had the ball in this game. Out of a 60-minute game, more than 40 minutes. That means the Eagles have to be scoring essentially every time, or they have to be perfect. And your defense is exhausted by the time you're done. The Eagles didn't even have the football at home 20 minutes in this game. And then there were all the turnovers by the Eagles. And the Commanders had a couple of their own. But that's why the Eagles lost this game. That's why the Eagles are no longer perfect. Because they had three fumbles and an interception. And couldn't wrestle the ball away from Washington. Now, coming up, the reaction from Taylor Heineke, Ron Rivera, oh, Terry McLaurin, he's such a good talker. Scary Terry is back, baby. As well as as Jalen Hurts and what they do moving forward now. And that's it. That's a wrap on week number 10. I don't think the Eagles should wake up on Tuesday or go to bed on Monday feeling mortified or miserable. Was it realistic for them to run the table? Probably not. I, I don't know how many people actually thought that they would go 17-0. That's as difficult to do as a team not winning all season, right? Having a losing, a completely uh, 0 for season. So I didn't think that was going to happen. I think it's impressive that they've been the only undefeated for weeks now. <laughs> and in that division, they were a target for sure for some really good opponents. Congratulations to Washington. Now back to 5-5. Five and five. And in the NFC, that is very much in position for a wild card? Could you imagine Marco Belletti's here in studio? Could you imagine if four wild or four playoff teams came from the NFC East? No, <laughs> that would be the most ridiculous thing the NFL has ever given us. Four teams, but it's it could happen. I wouldn't be surprised right now if you look at the the records. Of course, and actually, this is kind of funny too. The Eagles and the Vikings right now have the best records in the NFL. Eagles and the Vikings at eight and one. But if you look at the NFC East standings, you've got an eight and one, a seven and two, a six and three and a five and five. So in the, around the rest of the NFC, three of the, what now still five teams, right? That are above 500, only five teams in the NFC Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Vikings, and Seahawks are above Mm Oh no! The oh yeah, the Niners five are five and four. And four five yes, four? they've they've had okay. their bye already. So now they're six because the Niners moved above that. The Bucks are five and five. Right. The Commanders are five and five. I mean, th- those are your best teams in the NFC right now.
4: It's wild. I mean, you got a couple of divisions that are just awful. They and then are. You've got the NFC East. That's uh, the only thing is, is that a lot of those teams still have to play each other. They do. So there's still a lot of you know there's a chance that they're going to you know kind of cannibalize themselves. So we'll see if. Uh, the NFC it's kind of hard to get every team out of one division that's a little difficult
1: it is that's and it's, you make a good point because they still all have to play each other it's it's uh like a war of attrition there but the Packers are four and six the Falcons four and six the Cardinals four and six and all those teams are still alive
4: they are like I said there's just so many teams because I mean the NFC South is it's almost basically somebody's got to win you know it, <laughs> you know the NFC West has is obviously you got the Seahawks and you got the forty ers and everybody else is just kind of falling apart a little bit and the Rams are beat up. The Cardinals are beat up. It's been yeah. it's been a slugfest for a lot of teams in the NFC, uh, the NFC just trying to get through. And then you got the NFC East that have just been beating up on everybody.
1: Mm. I just want you to know I had a tweet last week. Um, a, a listener who doesn't quite understand how this works. He wanted me to give you your own 20-minute show, which first of all, 20 minutes is 20 an odd minutes. number. And second of all, I, I don't believe I have the power to do that. I suppose I could walk out for 20 minutes and you could just I appreciate Talk that. About whatever you like.
4: What would I actually accomplish in twenty minutes?
1: Oh, please! You could say a lot. You get yourself into a lot of trouble in twenty minutes. Well, that's Trust fair. Me. That I
4: can do. That I can get myself into trouble in two minutes. That's... You
1: and I could easily have a conversation that goes twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I thought that was fun. He, I'm not sure what was funnier that he wanted you for just twenty minutes, yeah. or that. I feel like it's thought... a
4: little bit of a backhanded compliment. Yes,
1: he thought that he thought that I was the one who could do that.
4: You might. Uh-huh. Right. Well, I don't know. I
1: mean, nobody listens. So, again, if I wanted to walk out and do some editing and just let you hang out here for 20 minutes, I feel like you could probably run the table there. <laughs> 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 We'd get more stories about how you were sweating like crazy on Halloween because you had to walk a whole mile or something. Oh, uh, you want a funny story for the weekend? I'll give you a funny story from the weekend. Wait, we might have to wait till next hour because we're running late. Okay. Oh, I can't wait till next hour. That was gonna be fun. Yes, Marco's funny family story coming up next weekend.
4: Not a family story, oh, but exercise. It's... Did
1: you try uh, to exercise? No, no,
4: okay. <laughs> <laughs> try to exercise. Are you crazy?
1: <laughs> Come on now. All right, stay tuned in an hour. Marco's funny story to keep us laughing all week.
3: You are listening to the After Hours podcast. Hertz goes back he fires he it. the lateral to Smith Smith is looking he throws it away and it's picked up by Another Washington and runs by Washington. To the end, end zone so they'll win by seven more points as the seconds are all gone that was Casey Tuhill former Eagle who picked it up and Run it into the end zone. It's actually yeah, it's counts a, as a backward pass and fumbled. And, it's a touchdown. Yeah, it is a touchdown. It's a fumble. And so the Eagles lose 32-21. to 21. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
1: Just got this tweet from Joe. I'm quite certain he knows the answer to this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Maybe he was just trying to be friendly and kind, as he reminded us. I did earlier say three turnovers. I should have said four because the last play of the game was, in fact, a turnover. And so Joe says, does that not count because it's the last play of the game? Of course it counts. Yes, it was actually a touchdown. That counts, too, as you hear with Merrill Reese on the Eagles radio network. So thank you, Joe. You're right. I said three turnovers. Nick Sirianni said three turnovers as well. So he wasn't really thinking about that kind of crapshoot and – Winging a prayer on the final play of the game. But, yes, four turnovers in total and not enough time with the football. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. They're not used to losing this season in Philadelphia.
2: When you play the way we did tonight, when you play the way we did on all three phases, you know, like offense, defense, special teams, coaching, right? When you, when you play like that, it, it does seem like you're you're – It seems like everything's going against you. You create your own luck, and and we played like crap.
5: I think there have been games in the past where Um, you'd hear us say maybe leaving money on the table, um, opportunities that we didn't take advantage of. of. And I look at this game, and I say we were repeat offenders of that
1: definitely did not take advantage of their opportunities. But let's be fair, there were limited opportunities because of how well the Washington Commanders controlled the ball. And Ron Rivera says that's exactly what they were trying to do.
3: It really was, you know, the the, the guys sticking to the plan. Coaches stuck to their plan. You know, we found one of the best ways to slow Jalen Hurts down to keep him off the field. And we were fortunate that we were able to do that today.
5: Probably the biggest win of my career. Um, again, you know, it's a division opponent, undefeated, their place, Monday night. Can't can't get much better than that.
1: Yeah, every single team in that division, and really every team in the NFC, every opponent of the Eagles is going to give Philadelphia its best shot. But that certainly applies to the nth degree to a team that's inside the NFC East. Taylor Heineke, 17 of 29 in this game, 211 yards. He did have the interception and the lack of touchdowns notwithstanding, he was able to run them up and down the field, right? So the game management was so paramount in this game. Brian Robinson actually gets pushed into the end zone, pushed and and twisted into the end zone. Antonio Gibson got in as well. And as a team, they run for 152 yards. Now he loves to chuck and duck the football. That's a, a blessing that he can make most of those throws and he's fearless. He brings energy to the field. But there's times when it's ill-advised. I think he's getting smarter as a quarterback because he has seen a handful of starts in every season now uh, going back since he joined the team. Uh, And Terry McLaurin certainly is a big fan of what Taylor Heineke brings to the table I actually heard an interview with him on Westwood one following the game in which Kevin Harlan very diplomatically did not ask him who he would prefer as a starting quarterback. But did you know that next week Carson Wentz is eligible to come off IR?
0: NFC East football, you never know what could happen. And you know, um, we're just proud of the way we came out today defense did a great job getting turnovers offense um you know finished when we need to. special teams did a great job as well when you win it feels good but when you win in this fashion against um uh, on the
5: road monday night football against a division opponent i think it's just that much sweeter we were on a good good run there for a little bit and then i feel like we kind of let one go last week that we could have won and uh to to bounce back and 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 go against a, a undefeated philly team at their place They're undefeated, you know, Monday night football. And for us to kind of battle like that and get a win like this is huge for us. It's going to have, you know, we have a lot of confidence here going on.
1: Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, who had 128 yards receiving on eight different catches. Uh, And he's so good as well, a top flight wide receiver. Think about the number of quarterbacks who've thrown him the football over the course of his career. That's amazing. The, The fact that he's. Well, he brings the level of play up to a different standard, right? Because like any of the best receivers in the league... You can throw a ball up there, and even if it's not a perfect ball, they will go get it. They will reward you for the effort. These are the kind of plays that they make. We saw it with Stephon Diggs this week. We or this weekend we saw it with obviously Justin Jefferson. Um, so we know that the best receivers, Devonte Adams, they make their quarterbacks look really damn good, and that's what Terry McLaurin does. Uh, if he was wearing a Washington Commanders stocking hat, by the way, like a. I swear, I have to see it again. But I swear, just at first blush, on NFL Network, it looked like it was a stocking hat, like the kind you would wear at Christmas,
2: (laughs) like a legit stocking on his head, or
1: well, you know, the kind that that hangs down, you know, that has like the, you know, an elf hat, a stocking hat,
2: I got you, like a Santa hat.
1: Well, yeah, yes, it could be that too. I guess I typically think of it as an elf. Maybe it, maybe it just had the, maybe it was a winter hat and the ball was kind of falling oh, back behind little his head. Back there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. I do love those kind of hats. I'm actually wearing my own knit hat. Wait, hold on. I got the scarf, I got the gloves. I was wearing shorts and walking on the beach in bare feet on Saturday because the temps were in the upper 60s. And now I have my knit hat with the huge pom pom on top. Oh, by the way, Jay. Would you consider this to be pine green, Eagles green? Didn't yeah. we just talk about that earlier? It looks a little
2: Eagles greenish to me.
1: Yeah, so that's not intentional. Uh, I don't plan my outfits based on the colors of sports teams. So it's really funny every time I wear orange, someone says to me, "Oh, for the Broncos?" No. Just because I like the outfit or I like the color, my gosh, I'm playing my outfits based on my teams. Anyway, um, this happens to match my coat because it's got pine green as an accent, and because the temperatures are now in the 20s in my neighborhood, so there's been this cold front come through. So this morning I was only wearing my the shell of my coat, um, and it wasn't enough. I was cold. So coming up on Tuesday morning, I'm going to have to wear a hat. I've got a scarf with me as well, mittens or gloves, and then I had to pull all my plants in. So I had one plant that was left outside of my patio. It's a palm plant. Man, I've had this thing for like 15 years. When I first bought it, I decorated it for Christmas because I didn't want to get a full Christmas tree. It's a ginormous palm, and I can't lift the pot anymore because it's so big. So I have sliders on the bottom so because the temperatures, we're supposed to get our first hard freeze in my neighborhood tonight because the temperatures have dropped below freezing, and not a frost, I mean like an actual hard freeze, uh, I had to pull all the plants inside. Everything else outside is is done.
2: There was ice on my car driving in, by the way. Really? Yeah, on the roof Already? of it. Already? On the hood of it. I, I, wow. I guess it was like condensation and it's been out there all day and it, it wasn't, like, you know, it's not like hard ice, but it was a form of ice, yeah. It was frosty? It was frosty. It was a frosty. And your frosty.
1: car is white. Jazzy's white. So now yes. Jazzy's white and frosty. She's white and frosty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got some fun stories to tell you from the weekend when I was on the beach. And I do promise that I'll get those photos up on Facebook uh, from the weekend adventures since I've put them up on Twitter and it's only fair and producer Jay. Said that he would help me. Now coming up after the top of the hour, Jeff Saturday getting a lot of criticism uh, as the choice for Jim Ursa to take over the Colts even after a win on Sunday. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.